How many in here have ever really deep inside wanted to get even with someone? Those of you not raising your hand might want to get even with me after the service. If you didn't, you will. How did that work out for you? You know, every time in my life that I've wanted to just, I mean, really, you just deep inside, it's like, man, I got to do something. I got to get even. I got to balance the scales out here. It just doesn't ever work, does it? I mean, the, the cost of what it does to our heart in the process, as we start to be consumed with bitterness and, and just anger, and you, you know, how, how many of you in that process have ever talked yourself into being more angry than you were before? Right? I mean, you just start spinning yourself up. You start talking in your spirit and in your mind about it, and, and suddenly, like, everything's bad. You know, there's a reason that Jesus tells us in what we're about to look at. He says, don't do that. Because we are to be a people of grace, a people of love. What did Jesus say? He says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples because you get even better than the world. Because you're really good at revenge. No, what did it say? He says, because you love one another. And so this idea of, of personal vengeance is something that we have to learn to let go of. And that does not come naturally to us, okay? What, what Jesus is talking about right here is genuinely 180 degrees the other direction of what our hearts want to do. I mean, we can go all the way back to the Old Testament to Cain and Abel. And what do we see? Cain wanted to get even. He didn't like what was going on. He he thought he got a a raw deal out of this, and he decided he's going to get even. He kills his brother. This is human nature. And yet Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, 38 through 42, he tells us about kingdom justice. In his kingdom, what is justice going to look like? And he says, you have heard it said, in verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Now, how many of us hear that and we're like, yep, that's how I want to live life. That, that's it right there. Just turn the other cheek every time. You know, I knew a uh, church I served in previously, a, a man who'd been a deacon and he, he had served his church for years. He helped build the church. I mean, he was there all the time. And, uh, Something happened, and this man actually got in a fight. <laughs> and uh, he was an older gentleman, and yet he kind of held his own in this against a younger guy. <laughs> and after it happened, he went, uh, you know, the pastor came up to him. He says, now, you know what the Bible says about turning the other cheek. And he says, no, pastor, I haven't gotten to where I am by doing that. And he thought, well, okay. And now this was a, a good man. But you see, it doesn't come naturally to us. It's not something that we want to just... You know, we feel this sense of justice inside that we want to to balance the scales. But here's the problem with that. Is how many times do we really balance the scales in that? Because what do our hearts do? We always want to go overboard. 
you know, we'll take a small offense and turn it into something large, and we want to get even now. And, and we just, we can't think clearly when we're in these situations. And yet, justice, when properly understood biblically, is about balance. And that's why in the Old Testament, and this is where Jesus says, you've heard it said, that's why he says the law said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. You know that was a limitation, right? This wasn't something that was given where he's like, yeah, you, you better make sure you get even with them and make sure it's, it's harsh. You know, we've, we've heard, you know, Gandhi has said, you know, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. Well, well listen, this wasn't about being aggressive. This was God putting a limitation on a sinful human heart. When he said, when someone wrongs you, your idea of justice had better be that it balances the scales, that it's even, that if they, if they damaged your eye, that what you do in return better not go any further than damaging their eye. Now, again, he's not talking about individuals either. He's talking about a legal system for an entire people. Okay, so a justice system that is balanced where the punishment fits the crime. And this was a limitation. Anything that goes beyond that was also a violation of justice. So if, if you know, they, they damaged an eye and then justice took two eyes, well, guess what? That also is unjust. That also is out of bounds for what God wants. And so how do we as a people find that balance that we have? that we're to be just, how do we find that balance? Because we all know if left to our own heart and our own desires and our own understanding, we're going to go overboard every time, right? We're going to go overboard. They said something bad about me, so I'll say something bad about them to 19 different people. And I'm going to make sure they know, don't ever mess with me again. I mean, we just, we do it. And so how do we find that balance? Because as we look at what justice is, justice is not about punishment. Justice is about the well-being of the individual and the community that they live in. Now let me say that again. Justice is about the well-being of the individuals and the community that they live in. You see, justice presupposes God's intention for people to be in community. Do you know God wants you around people? You know, sometimes we question that. God, really? <laughs> you want, but he wants us in community. He wants us living around and sharing our lives with other people and, and walking with them and helping them and them helping us. That is his intention. You can't love your neighbor if you never see your neighbor. You, you can't live in community and, and, and hate everyone around you. And so what does justice do? Justice at a societal level, protects the relationships between you and me, and it protects our society. And so when God says, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, he's saying what you need to do and what he intended for his people in the Old Testament was for their society to be based on fair justice. Now, why do we do that? Because one, utopia is impossible. 
Okay, it's not going to exist in this world. We live in a world of broken people, of, of broken relationships, of evil that, that, you know, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And so there's always going to be some kind of suffering in this world. It's always going to be there. So instead of aiming for a perfect society, what God has told us is aim for a just society. And in a just society, that is where you will find the greatest prosperity. That is where you find the greatest opportunity for, for growth, for prosperity, for peace, and for relationships. Because the law tells us what that looks like. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for life tells us that we need to consider others and the impact of what we do, what it has on them. Okay, and so if I wrong another person, then the law tells me what wronging them looks like. You know, how many of you when you were younger, you maybe have kids or grandkids that they do something wrong and they completely don't understand it, that it was wrong. And what do we have to do to teach them, right? No, it's not right to steal. No, it's not right to hit them. You see, if left to ourselves, we'll just do things, whatever feels good, and we'll, we'll go on with it. But what we do is we have rules of respect and honor for other people that tell us, no, treat them how you want to be treated, and that, here's what this looks like. It means don't, you know, for your kids, don't hit, don't steal, don't say mean things about them, and we teach them that so that they understand living in a good relationship with somebody else is defined in these ways. And when we violate one of those things, now we can say, well, you're not properly loving your neighbor. You're not being a good neighbor in that. And we have remedies to fix it, to correct the behavior. And that's what God was telling us. But what we find is that when personal vengeance, my desire to get even and to exact justice at the level I want... When that enters into the picture, we find anger and bitterness and sin is crouching at our door. And we will always take it too far. Always. And when that happens, now we have to start to look at our understanding of justice. Because if I must wrong others to be satisfied, then I am not interested in justice. I'm interested in power. And we see that in today's world right now. If in order to pursue justice, I have to wrong another person, then that is not balance. All that is saying is I was wronged and I want the power for myself. So I'm going to swing the pendulum all the way to the other side where I'm the one who has power. And I can now wrong other people without consequence. You see, justice is about balance. And when justice is achieved... Here's the wonderful thing. Nobody has to be wronged. The punishment fits the crime. And what justice does is it, re, it reestablishes a balance in our society saying this behavior was wrong, it won't be accepted, and we only go this far to correct it so that everything again is back in balance. I think what we see in our world right now is things are very, very out of balance both in the administration of what so-called justice is and in the response to injustice. Okay? And, and I really believe both sides of this, the pendulum's over-swinging, and it's swinging hard. It's like we're on one of those rides, you know, at an amusement park. 
We're just swinging back and forth here, and a lot of people are starting to feel sick. Stop the ride, please. Now, personal vengeance is boredom, bitterness, anger, revenge leads to lawlessness. Can we agree on that? Revenge leads to lawlessness. And we see that in our world now. We see something bad happen. So what am I going to do? I'm going to take matters in my own hand. I'm going to run out here and, and I'm going to exact vengeance for this by doing the same thing. That's not justice. That is injustice. And, and here's what Jesus said about this, okay? In Matthew 24, 12, he says, and because lawlessness will be increased. Now he's talking about the end times here, okay? He's talking about the last days. Don't read too much into that. I want more of the principle here than this to turn into an end time sermon, uh, okay? There's a principle at work here. Focus there. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Now what is the reason love grows cold? lawlessness. Now, I know people might ask, well, how is that possible? Well, if I don't know that stealing is wrong, I will steal and feel justified in it. And guess what? I can't love my neighbor and steal from them at the same time. I can't. And so the law tells us what is good and that here this is, this is what will, will constitute loving your neighbor. You see, Jesus is showing us that his people, the people of the kingdom, will be a people who value relationships and are what? Peacemakers. What did Jesus already say at the beginning of this sermon, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, what is peacemaking other than the establishing of justice in society? The establishment of justice between two opposing parties. Because what is justice? It is balance. And if we can achieve balance between two warring factions, guess what? We've achieved peace. And so God is telling us that His people, the kingdom priority of His people will be justice for all. Now, that sounds familiar, right? Justice for everybody, no matter who you are, no matter your lot in life. We are not to show favoritism. We are not to, to, to bend the rules for one group and, and not for another. And that, that's anybody, okay? Uh, please, if you've got one political group in mind right now, don't. This applies across the board. Everybody needs to be accountable under the law equally. And when that happens, you have peace. You have a peaceful society. It doesn't mean that, that things don't happen that are wrong. It means that the reaction to those crimes is in balance with the crime, and it restores balance in the middle. And, and so blessed are the peacemakers, for thou sh they shall be called sons of God. Jesus is telling us what it looks like to be a peacemaker in this world. And it starts with God's people developing a thick skin. Now, how many saw that coming? It starts with God's people being willing to overlook insults. It starts with God's people being the ones that are like, you know what, I'm not going to be so upset. I'm not going to be offended about everything. I'm the one that's going to keep a reasoned level head in every situation and look for what is good and what is balanced in this world. Because I, I want you to think of the law for just, let's just think of the Ten Commandments. Okay, think of as many of the Ten Commandments you can right now. Hopefully it's all ten. 
I want you to think about what the Ten Commandments, how they are just and how they promote love of neighbor and prosperity in society. I want you to think of this. The law protects what? The Ten Commandments protect a person's spiritual health, their mental health, their physical health, their family, their property, their reputation, and provides for contentment. If we just followed those Ten Commandments as a society, we would have the most prosperous and peaceful society that the world has ever known. There's a reason that Satan wants us to ignore that. Because you think about it, it, it protects property, do not steal. It protects life, do not kill. It protects reputation, do not bear false witness. It protects a person's reputation. It protects a person's mental health. Remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. Take a day off work. You see, the law is good. It shows us the path forward. And this is what this is about. And so Jesus, understand, this is the starting point. See, it seems like I've already really preached a sermon. It's like we could say amen and go on, right? Understand, that's just the backdrop of what Jesus is talking about. Now, what has he done with every other law that he talks about in the Old Testament at this point? What does he do? He says, I know you know this. Let me elevate it to this level. Because here's where life is truly found. And so everything I just said about law should be foundational to our thinking. This shouldn't seem like advanced spirituality. This should be the basic because Jesus says, my people are going to take this a step further. My people are, are going to understand justice in a way that's going to rock the world and is going to make, it's going to seem weird because justice will no longer be about getting even and balance won't just, it won't be about balance anymore. In fact, what's it going to be about? It's going to be about grace. And what do we know about Grace. Grace is always unbalanced. Grace is always unbalanced. Otherwise, it's not grace. Grace is always unbalanced. It's never fair. Okay, let's, let's talk about this because, because justice demands balance and justice demands what of us? You see, every single one of us has sinned and violated God's holy commandments and so justice would demand what? that we be punished accordingly for those sins. Yet what did God do? He sent His Son to die on the cross so that we wouldn't have to take that punishment so that He could offer grace and forgiveness that is so far out of balance that there's in no way could it be called just. So don't you find it amazing that God establishes this level of justice and He wants us to learn it and He's like, okay, this is justice, this is justice, this is justice. Now watch what I'm going to do. It's completely not fair. I'm going to give you so much grace. I'm going to give you so much forgiveness that it's going to blow all of that out of the water. It doesn't violate it in any way, but it's not going to be the same thing that we were talking about before. I'm going to change the playing field on you so much you're going to wonder what just happened. You see, he gives us that grace where he says, I'm going to forgive your sin. I'm going to welcome you into my presence. And all you have to do is believe it because I'm going to pour all of that punishment. I'm going to achieve balance through my son So that now what is unbalanced may enter into your life. And what is unbalanced? The level of forgiveness we have. The love we have access to. Our ability to understand and know God through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Trust me, that is not balanced. 
When we look at the cross, that is not balanced. He was perfect in every way and committed no sin and yet died willingly for us. You see, God had to establish the base so that He could build the life on it that He wants us to have. And so what does Jesus say? He tells us prepare for unfair. And I mean that prepare for it. You be ready to, for, for things to be unbalanced in your life at your own expense. Now, doesn't that seem weird? Now, this is not saying that Christians should just you know, be a doormat that people can walk all over. That's not what he's talking about. We're going to talk about that in a second. But he is saying at a personal level, be willing to be wronged for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of sharing and showing love to other people, you be willing to let go of, of your personal need for justice and, and you just worry and you let God handle it. You let God handle that in your life. You be a person of grace. You see, what he says is, is he said, vengeance is mine. Remember that? And Jesus reiterates. He says, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And he says, pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemy. And what does he say? He says, by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on their head. Now, what are the burning coals? Well, it means hearts and motives will be revealed. You see, God is always interested in the heart, right? That's where he goes first. That's what he is always going to go after is our heart and our minds, not just the actions. The actions are always a result of thinking that is flawed. Okay, our actions, sinful actions are always a result of a lack of faith, a lack of love, a lack of understanding of God. When we walk with him, we do what's right. And so many times what we want to do is just change the actions. Where God says, no, I'm going to change the heart. And many times for the heart to change, it must first be revealed. In fact, every time. Hearts have to be revealed in order to be changed. That which is hidden cannot be healed. And so what is he doing here with this passage in Matthew? He's telling us, give them a chance to reveal their hearts. Have you ever thought about it like that? Give them a chance to truly reveal their heart in this. Because can people make mistake and, you know, commit injustice? Yeah. You ever had somebody wrong you that when they found out they're, you know, like heartbroken over it, and they're like, oh my gosh, that wasn't my intent at all. I'm sorry. I, it, you know, their heart was revealed that it was a mistake. Or maybe just a bad moment where they, they reacted and it was the wrong thing and they come back later and they feel bad and they're like, hey, you know, I'm sorry about this. Hearts are revealed. And so... When he says, now listen to this, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, but I say, do not resist the evil one, uh, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, in that culture, a slap was simply an insult. Okay, it was seen to be uh, just one of the top level insults of the day that something's going on and they get slapped in front of everybody. It was just a, a humiliating moment. We're talking humiliation here, not a beat down. <laughs> okay, sometimes this gets misunderstood as like, oh, if you're, you know, somebody's just pounding on you, you're just supposed to let them. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's talking about insults. And so when they slap, he says, turn the other cheek. Go ahead and let them double down on that insult if that's where their heart is. 
And if it is, they will fully reveal that's where their heart is. You see, when we don't respond to an insult in kind, what does it do to the person who gave the insult? They have to make a choice, don't they? They have to make a choice of to whether or not am I going to continue down this road and reveal my heart or am I going to stop where I'm at right now? Now, there was also, they would slap, and if you turn the other cheek, what do they have to do in order to hit the other cheek? A backhand. Well, there was a strike with the front of the hand, and it was a blow with the back of the hand, which now there are legal ramifications for. To slap someone was not against the law. To have a blow, you could now involve authorities and seek justice through society. You see, he's not saying stand there and just be a victim. He's saying go ahead and let it get to a point where justice can now be enacted. Don't try to get vengeance for yourself just because it feels better. If all it is is a personal insult, overlook it. But if they are committed to doing you wrong... Well, then when they do, now you have actual recourse through the legal system and you don't have to do it for yourself. You see how Jesus set that up? He didn't leave us powerless. He, in fact, empowered us to say, you know what? I'm only going to focus on that which is actually important. I'm going to overlook insults. But when I'm actually wronged, I can seek justice. And it's clear that the line has been crossed. It's clear that I have been wronged at a legal, societal standpoint. So he's not telling us just stand there and take a beat down. (laughs) Okay, he's not saying you can't fight back. He's saying if they insult you, overlook it. But if they take that next step into actually harming you, well, now you have recourse. Now you have something that you can do about it. And, And so that's why he says... Go the extra mile. You, you take it further than logic and feelings would want you to do. Okay, if they sue you and they take your tunic, let them have your cloak as well. He's saying, be generous. You, you go ahead and let these things happen, but give to the one who begs. He, he says, be willing to go further in this. Do more to maintain unity and peace than is logical in the moment. Now, how healthy would many of our churches be if we really practiced that? Go further than is humanly logical in maintaining peace and unity with people. Value people over your own feelings. That's what he's saying. And if the person genuinely is in a bad place of wanting to genuinely do you harm or take advantage of you at at an illegal level, they'll reveal that. Their heart will be revealed and you'll know. And you'll be able to say, okay, this has crossed the line. Now I can actually do something about it because they've done this. They've, they've proven it. And instead of us being the ones to escalate a situation, we do all we can to de-escalate it. And if they escalate it, well, now it's on them. And God is watching. God does not leave his people to suffer forever without ever you know, vindicating them. And even if he doesn't vindicate us in this life, guess what's coming in the next? Absolute vindication. 
And so we have to prepare for, I know this sounds like elementary, we got to prepare for life to be unfair for us. We just do. If we are going to be a people of grace, then we have to prepare for things to be unfair for us, just like they were for Jesus. Point to one thing in Jesus' life that was fair. Was there anything? I mean, nothing. We even read at the beginning of his life, it says he grew in stature with, with God and with men and people respected him and he's reading the scripture and then he reads it and he says this was fulfilled and they wanted to kill him immediately. This guy they knew that they're like, wow, he's a good guy. We really like him. He's, he, he loves everybody. He's such a great guy. We love Jesus. What? He said the scripture's fulfilled. Kill him. It's very unfair. And, and we as his people, we have to make that a priority in our lives to have that mindset. Okay, Proverbs 12, 16 says the vexation of a fool. Now, who is the fool in Scripture? The fool is the one who says there is no God. The person who does not live according to God's ways. That is the fool. The fool is not a person who's intellectually deficient. The fool is the person who doesn't follow God. Okay? The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. You see, wisdom tells us to overlook a lot in this life. A lot. That we don't have to worry about establishing justice for ourselves because God will do that for us. How many in here believe God is just? He is. It will balance out in the end. Now, right now, it may feel at times that it's like this. But you know what? God is watching. He's counting every tear. He is taking count of everything. And those who are with Him, those who are born again and have put their faith in Jesus Christ, will be vindicated in the end. And so we don't put our faith and hope in this life being fair. Let me say that again. We do not put our faith and hope in this life being fair because it's not going to be. In fact, if you're a Christian, what did I say? Prepare for unfair. Like it's going to get worse. God's people throughout all of history have been persecuted. It's not fair. Governments have targeted the church. It's not fair. Yet what happens? The church marches on. It continues on and it loves people and it grows because Jesus said the gates of hell will not overcome his church. But we don't fight like the world fights. We don't escalate it into name calling. We don't escalate it into insult for insult. Our idea of justice starts with balance and goes from there to grace, which we acknowledge is unfair. And if we are saved by grace, then we should become a gracious people. And so what is the goal in this? If, if we start with the foundation of justice, the goal is a radical generosity. And I mean radical. Now, I'm not saying you've got to leave from here and give away all your stuff. Okay? Unless God you know, approaches you like the rich young ruler and says, hey, give away all your stuff. Uh, now, that's between you and God. 
but we do adopt an attitude of generosity in life, in everywhere. Adopt an attitude of radical generosity with your spouse and see what happens at home. Radical generosity with with your love and kindness to others and watch what happens. A radical generosity with people around you that you can help and watch what God does. But this idea, it's not going to arise from nowhere. Okay? You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, I think I'll be generous. All day with people who aggravate me. With that coworker that I can't stand. I'm going to be generous today. And I'm going to overlook every insult that comes my way. Guess what? we got to grow into that. <laughs> And it has to be an intentional growth, an intentional step forward in that direction every single day. Now, the disciples kind of understood what he was saying, but think about this idea of radical generosity, okay? What does it say? He says, if they force you to go one mile, what do you do? Go two. Now, in Jesus' day, a Roman soldier could take anybody around, take his gear, throw it on his back, and say, carry it for one mile. And that was legal. Okay? It was legal. You know what was illegal? To force them to carry it two miles. So what does Jesus say to do? He says, hey, go ahead and go that second mile. Invest in that person. They're forcing you to carry their gear, which is heavy, and he needs a break. And he says, you know what? If you can relieve that suffering for one mile, and if you can do it too, do it. Go ahead and go further in this. Be radically generous. How many Roman soldiers do you think had somebody, you know, the miles up, and he's like, okay, you can can quit now. That they're like, no, I'm good. Let's keep going. How many people do you think did that in that day? Try zero. They hated the Roman soldiers. They hated them. They were objects of scorn. People looked at them and just, you could see the anger on their face. They hated the Roman soldiers. And so when somebody, he comes along, he's like, you know, you, carry my stuff. And they carry it, and then the mile's up, and he's like, okay, give it back. He goes, no, we can go a second mile. You know, he's looking, I'm going, you're weird. No, I'm good, really, let's, let's go a second mile. Tell me about yourself. Can I tell you about Jesus? What has he done? He's earned instant credibility with his generosity. You see, this idea of kingdom justice is not about us getting even but about us getting graceful. It's about us sharing the love of God in any time. And this is not to say that we ignore real injustice. We just force real injustice to the surface. We force it out there for people to see. We force hearts to be revealed. And we ignore insults and petty differences. And we see what an attitude of radical generosity looks like through the words of Jesus in Matthew 18, 21 and 22. Matthew 18 is a section of Scripture talking about conflict resolution between people. If you're offended by somebody, somebody offends you, what do you do? And after he tells them how to work it out, Peter comes up to him and says this, says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Now understand, Peter thought he was being generous right there. He thought he was, I mean, he thought, man, seven? Come on now. I mean, how many, you know, fool me once. I'm I'm willing to go to seven. And he thought he was impressive. And what does Jesus say? 
I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times, or some translation, 70 times seven. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you're keeping track at 77 or 490, you've missed the point. I mean, if you're keeping score at home, uh, at 76, we're almost there. Do it again, and you're out. What's Jesus saying? He's saying be radical. He's saying you take radical steps to forgive, to build relationships with people. To forgive, to maintain relationships. Now, there is something important in this. What does he say? It says, Peter said, how often will my brother sin and I forgive him? And there are places where it says that he comes back to me and asks forgiveness. You see, he's not saying you have to ignore the sin that's there. In fact, Matthew 18 says, if your brother sins against you, what do you do? You go to him and you point out the fault. You see, again, we are not ignoring actual wrongs. We are still committed to justice because that is the baseline for the Christian life. We are still committed to balance. We're just willing to overlook minor injustices in our own lives. I'm not going to hold an offense against somebody else. I'm not going to, you know, because somebody says something that, that could be considered an insult, or maybe it even was an insult, so what? My identity is found in Christ. It doesn't matter. They're just words. And I know that that sounds elementary, but you know what? Our world needs that right now. We got too many people getting offended about everything. And I'm saying in the church and outside the church, people are looking for reasons to be offended. And what Jesus is telling us is that his kingdom, the people of his kingdom, the kingdom priorities is that we value people over petty differences. We value people over petty insults. We value grace. And so we adopt this attitude of radical generosity. And then Romans 12.21 says this. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, we never win the tit-for-tat battle. Nobody wins that. You insult me, I insult you, we hate each other, we talk bad about each other to our respective groups. Who won? Satan. He won. But I insult you, you ignore it, and you come back and you know maybe you look at me and say, you know, when you said that, it hurt my feelings. And I go, oh, wow, I totally didn't mean that. I'm sorry, and we, we reconcile and we're good. Guess what? Relationships still there, still strong. It's not that insults and injustices are never going to happen. It's how we respond to them. And if I need my pound of flesh, then I've not understood grace. Because we forgive because we are forgiven. And any time I want to exact vengeance on another person, what I have to do is remember the cross. And look and say, you know what? My sins put Jesus up there. And He didn't hold it against me. He was willing to forgive me so I can forgive them. And a final thought. When it comes to vengeance and exacting revenge, who's going to do a better job of it? You or God? I mean, when it comes time for actual vindication, 
Okay, you were actually wronged, and justice didn't work out how we thought, and you have to, you know, you got to pull yourself back together and go on because it's hard. I mean, it happens. And we look and say, man, that was, that was unjust, that was unfair, and it hurt you. What does God say? He says, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. And just, you know, honestly, in my life, there was a time that there were things that had happened that I really did inside. When I asked at the beginning, you ever really wanted to get even with somebody? That was me. There was a part in my life that bitterness and such was really consuming me. And I, I just wanted, God, let's get even. And I'd pray about it, but it was kind of consuming me. And one day I read that scripture. And God just asked, who's going to do a better job of getting even, you or me? Let it go. And it hit me. I'm like, yeah, God, I'm going to give that to you. Because in the long run, you're going to do a far better job of this, of balancing it out. And I can stop being consumed with this because it just doesn't matter. Why am I dragging this into my life now when it's over? And let's just live now. And I've had a lot of peace with that. And I have since then. Since then in my life, it's, it's just really, it, when something like that happens and, and I feel like, man, that was really out of balance, that was not just, I can give it to God and say, you know what, God's going to take care of that one. And maybe he takes care of it by them getting saved and, hey, that's awesome. Now they're a brother and I, you know, we're in the same family and we're going to spend eternity together. So I really should forgive them. Because you know what, if you can't get along with people here, you've got a whole eternity with them later. You better figure it out this side of heaven. Because <laughs> some of those people that annoy you the most are going to be right there in the heavenly chorus singing to God with you. Because God loves all of us. And kingdom justice is not about getting even. It's about being graceful and being loving in any and all situations. Even at our own personal expense.